Henry Brown is going to be bringing us a word. Henry is in youth ministry here at Generations Church, and tonight he's in the men's ministry. He's a multi-talented guy, grew up in Granbury, has been in the military, has been homeless, is a father to two beautiful girls and husband to a wonderful woman named Jill. He's in the tool business. He has his own truck, Matco Tool Business, and a, a regional sales route that he handles. We know him to be a man of integrity and are honored to have him tonight. So at this time, we will pray and turn it over to Henry Brown. All right. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. We ask you, Lord, to give us hearts to hear what you want us to hear. Lord, we thank you that Henry's here to bring us a word. We just pray, Lord, your peace would be upon him. Give him the boldness to declare the truth, Lord, to tell us like it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Henry Brown. Father, I just I thank you, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity to be here tonight. Father, I just thank you that you can make the rocks cry out to you, Father, and you can make a donkey speak, Lord. And I just thank you that I'm somewhere in between there and that you're that you're choosing to use my voice tonight, Father. So I just ask, Lord, that you would you would take the words that come out of my mouth and use them for your glory, Father, and may you receive all the credit. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, tonight we are going over James. 1, verses 26 through 27, and it's subtitled, Pure Religion. And I'll read the uh, the scripture first. Chapter 26 is, If anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All right, the first thing that comes out to me on this is a person who considers himself religious. You know, today in, in our society, religion has gotten a really bad rap. You know, if you if you are religious, you you do certain rituals or whatever, then it's it's not a not perceived as something that's uh, of worth that's actually looked down upon. So I try to make that word turn it into spiritual because we're spiritual beings and hopefully we consider ourselves to be spiritual. So I'll put spiritual there in that word. Hopefully that's that's okay with you guys. All right. And yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Uh, keeping a tight rein on the tongue... A lot of us here from this area, you know, we, we know about horses and, and the reins and how that causes a horse to turn if you pull it to the to the right. It's basically the the actual definition meaning of it is a leather strap fastened to each end of the bit of a bridle by which the rider controls a horse. The second meaning is any means of curbing or control or to curb or restrain. So James is telling us here that we need to keep a tight rein on our tongue. In other words, our, our tongue controls our direction. Okay. Here's a little, little quote that uh, I heard the other day. It's, Men have two ears but one tongue. The tongue has the power to make or break a person's spirit, to, br- to bring joy or sorrow, to lift a person up or to tear them down. 
In Proverbs 11.9, it says, With the mouth one destroys his neighbor. So you can literally destroy someone just by the words you speak. Say false ac- accusation. You know, false accusation is a, is a big thing nowadays. It happens pretty rapidly. And one false word could completely destroy someone's life. So we have to be very careful of what we say, especially to one another. And our neighbor, as we all know, is the person that's around you. You don't have to be the person that lives next to you. It's, it's anybody. I did not bring a timepiece, so I have no idea. Okay. All right. Proverbs 18.21 says, There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 15.4, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but an undisciplined tongue breaks hearts. James 3.8 tells us that the tongue can be full of deadly poison. Using the tongue the wrong way can kill the spirit of those who we love the most. Or can bring life and happiness. If you say something to your spouse, your wife, and it's harsh, it can sound completely different than you say the exact same thing, but out of love. We have to kind of be careful there as well as... as not just what we say, but how we say it. The voice inflections and and how you how you let your body language also is a tongue. Your body language speaks more than what your mouth does a lot of times. If you're got your arms crossed like this, that's a that's a sign that you're basically you know keeping someone at bay. But if you have your arms open when you're speaking to them or or just hanging down. That opens up the communication level a whole lot better. So, so speaking is, is more than just the tongue. It's speaking is also your body language. All right. Proverbs 16, 23 through 28 says, A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There is a way that seems right to men, but in the end it leads to death. The laborer's appetite works for his hunger and drives him on. His hunger drives him on. A scoundrel plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. So another form of of speech that uh, we need to bridle our tongue against is is, uh, gossip. When you're speaking to somebody else about someone else, that's that's gossip. And a lot of people use it under the disguise that, well, I'm, I'm trying to get things worked out for him or whatever, you know. It's gossip is gossip. If you're talking about someone behind their back, that's that's slander, that's gossip. So we need to we need to watch how we speak about people to other people as well. All right, seventeen nine of Proverbs. He who lo- he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. It's the same thing. Eighteen eight. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man in most parts. And twenty nineteen 
says that gossip betrays confidence, and, a, and so avoid a man who talks too much. <laughs> so talking too much is also something we need to watch against. And nobody wants to be around someone that's just constantly talking and and likes to hear their own voice, right? And that's that's one of the biggest turnoffs for me. Is someone who just they want to hear their own voice. They want to sound like they're they're really smart. That's kind of gets me going the opposite direction. I want to try to separate myself. I think men and women, in general, uh, it's said that men speak less and and women speak more. But right. but uh, um, which less is more is is often the best the best for most of us. But at the same time, it, it's still what you say in the context of how you say it that can hurt. Right. Even if it's unintended. And most of us, I, I just believe that most offenses are... You know, it's, it's one thing to disagree with somebody right. and to, to face the disagreement head on. That that's That's one issue. But a, a lot of times when we speak, we don't intend the offense, but but because maybe we haven't thought it through or we don't we haven't understood exactly hurt ourselves, I guess, right. is, is when the offense comes. And I think in, in my life, a lot of times when I've hurt people, I didn't even mean to. Right. They didn't know you did. Yeah. Right. When you say it, you don't mean it to be taken the way mm-hmm. they take it. Like, I've, you know, being in a restaurant, I had someone come in. It looks like a mother and daughter because they look almost identical. And um, I asked the lady, I was like, oh, you know, this, forget what I said. Oh, I said, oh, you know, she looks like a lot younger version of you. And she's like, <laughs> a lot? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, it's like, oh, I should have just said a younger version of, she looks like you, you know, but, you know, like, you know, I mean, it's a star conversation, but, you know, things you say could unintentionally offend people. Yeah, so those, those adjectives can get us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Proverbs 21.23 says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. That's that was calamitous. <laughs> twenty six twenty. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. So we can keep those quarrels down if we just drop it. A lot of times that's hard for us to just drop because we want to be right. We want to. Have the uh, the last word. <laughs> that works with guys. That doesn't work with right. We believe we can have it, but right. the deception. No, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <don't>. right. <laughs> now, women aren't going to listen to this, right, Alan? Anything we say in here stays in here. Ladies, this is an inside <laughs> look into the mind of men. <laughs> you did tell everybody well, it's recorded, gonna, right? We're going to have a good laugh. Everybody <laughs> knows it's recorded, so. Well, that's kind of weird because Proverbs 39:42 says, Yes, dear, 
<laughs> I'm kidding. There is no 39, 43. <laughs> you got us. You got us. All right. Where do our words come from? In Luke 6:45, Jesus says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh." Mm. The words we speak show the condition of our heart. Got a little tattletale on myself on this one. I was raised in in church, so to speak. I I went to church because my friends went to church whenever I was a teenager. And uh, the pastor of the church, his son was my best friend, which is why I went to that church. And uh, they always came to get me every single day for school. And go to school, there's this guy that's always, he was a punk, if I can say that word. He was a punk. And he was always being mean to me whenever teachers were around. When there was nobody else around, he would run away and, and act like a coward. Well, one day I'm in the car. Of course, my pastor's wife is driving. And the daughter is on this the pastor's seat. And my friend is in the back seat with me. And this guy starts his mouth again. So I shot him the bird. Thought I was being totally and completely obscure about it. He sees it, nobody else does. My pastor's wife. She saw it. So she brought that little scripture to my mind and she goes, Out of the heart the mouth speaketh. And of course that's that's the international gesture, so everybody knows what the shooting the finger means. So I learned a lesson that day. I, I still remember that I was probably thirteen or fourteen years old. But uh, you know, we we drive our cars and we have this road rage things going on, right? Everybody cuts us off, or somebody cuts us off. Our our fingers go up on occasion. Well, that's a condition of the heart. And as Christians, we're supposed to show love in everything that we do. Every action that we have, every reaction we have, we're supposed to promote love. And if the finger goes up, that's not very loving. Or start griping and bickering. I'm, I'm talking to myself here. I don't flip people off anymore. I, I did get saved finally. But uh, we we have our, our communication that's you know sign language, which is a part of speech. All right, Matthew 12:37. God says, "For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned." Is God wrong when He tells us that our words tell who we are? No, absolutely not. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Jesus says in Matthew 5:37, "Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no." Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So, what I'm seeing here is, say what you mean and mean what you say. Pretty simple. And I'm bringing all these up because they have to do with speech. And, you know, we're we're talking about speech right now and bridling the tongue. And this is about keeping that, that tongue in check. Psalms 141.3 David prays, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. 
keep watch over the door of my lips. And Paul taught in Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only what is helpful and for building others up. And that's that's really that's that's what our mouth is meant for. Is to build others up. We're supposed to out of love encourage others. We're supposed to to uh help them to go to the next level basically. Um, everything we're supposed to talk to them is, is to build them up to make them feel better and to lead them to Christ. And if they're seeing us as you know some well, some jerk. They don't want to be like us because well, if Christians are like that, I don't want any part of it. So we're supposed to build others up with with how we speak and not not tear them down. In Colossians 4:6, let your speech be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. David again in Psalms 19, or 19:15. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So to bridle our tongue is to discipline ourselves, to be careful of what we say. We don't allow ourselves just to say whatever comes to mind, but to put a watch over ourselves so that nothing escapes our lips unexamined. So examine everything you say before you just put it out there, because sometimes you can put your foot in your mouth and not really mean to. Not even know that you mean to. So, back to our scripture. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So we don't want to be deceptive. We don't want to be deceived ourselves. And we definitely don't want our religion to be worthless. Chapter 27, or verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Does all the translation use religion? Everybody have? Mm-hmm. I have a little footnote in mine where it says religion, like the Greek translation for it, though, is basically means that's close, a careful follower of his belief. Okay, pure and undefiled. Basically, pure has no foreign mixture. Free from anything of a different or contaminating kind. It's clean or spotless. Untainted with evil or guilt. Undefiled means free from stain or blemish, immaculate, having no faults, sinless, uncorrupted, and perfect. So to have pure and undefiled religion put into works, we must visit orphans and widows in their distress of trouble. An orphan is a child who has lost both or even one parent can be considered an orphan. And this is... this. This one right here is, is basically what's called Midi Youth Ministry. Um, you know, we we have a we have an epidemic right now, a, a plague of fatherlessness 
in this country. And even right here in our own church, we have that. We have kids down there right now that some of them don't know their father. Some never met their father. Some of them have a father, but their father's absent. doesn't invest in them. God's called me to be a father. God's also called you guys to be a father. Not just to your own children, which that's our highest calling, you know, is to take care of our own family, our own children first. But those kids need us. I'm not saying everybody's called youth ministry, but you are called to be fathers. It doesn't have to be the kids here at the church. It can be your neighbors. It can be your grandkids. It can be anybody that you know that that needs a father in their life. You know, I, I was one of those. I had a dad, but I didn't have a dad. My dad, my dad was he was absent. He would come home from work. He'd go to his shop. We wasn't allowed out there. So he'd come in, go to dinner, go to bed, go to the next day, go to work, and it's the same ritual there every single day. My dad was a hard worker. He was a good man, but he didn't have a dad. He was left on the side of the road at five years old. So he uh, he didn't have a good example either. So I can't fault him because he didn't know any better. But I know better. So if I fail as being a father, that's on my back. I take responsibility for that. And we all have to take responsibility for our own actions. God's telling us to take care of our own. And these kids out here that are downstairs, those are our own. That's the ones who God has put charge over us. You know, we, we do fundraisers and stuff like that. So if, if you don't have time to, to take a kid fishing or, or to, to invest in them time-wise, when there's a fundraiser or there's a camp or something like that, they could change their lives. If you could help invest that away, that 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 actually helps a lot. I mean, these, these kids, if you've never gone to church camp or never got to go to church camp and watch these kids, <clears throat> man, it, it is... That's why I love it so much. Because I get more out of it than they do, I think. Because watching them, watching Corey praise God and worship Him and in pure and undefiled religion, it is so awesome. Corey, you had something to say. Pretty cool. The church camps are fun. I mean, I've been there. I went there my second year, and it was a blast. And I always want to go back every year. These, these camps are awesome for these kids. And if you can't financially, that's you know it, it's totally understandable. That's 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 between you and the Lord. 
but just think about it. Think about what what God is telling us. And something else I got in here is it's not the government's job to take care of us. You know, I don't I don't want to get off into politics or anything. But it's not up to the government to take care of us. It's it's not about all the the gimmies and the freebies and and all that. The church is supposed to take care of our own. We shouldn't have to depend on the government for anything. If we have someone that's hurting the child and they're distressed, that's what it says. And they're distressed. They're in distress right now. Every one of them. You know, and, and another thing is, is the schools. The enemy is after our children because he knows that they're the future. Well, they've infiltrated the school systems. They now control our curriculums and all that sort of stuff. I've got an email from my daughter's principal just this past week, earlier this week. And she is a great principal. I've met her. She's... We've had conferences with her. She's a great person. But she quoted something here that's coming from, she obviously heard it from her higher-ups. And it says, if you have a child's heart, you have their mind. As much as I appreciate this, this principle, I don't want the schools, the government, to have my child's mind. I want them to learn, but I want our child's mind to be about God's business. And they're trying to totally separate that. They don't want God, any part of God, in our school system. So that's why we need to invest in our children. We need to invest time in them. We need to show them the right way to go because everything out there is showing them the wrong way to go. Our very school systems are showing them the wrong way to go as far as their their morality. And it's up to us to teach them true morals, Christian standards to live by. And then a widow. A widow is a woman who has lost her husband by death and has not remarried again. We all know what a widow is. God is telling us to take care of our own. Um, and I, I don't think that, uh, and, you know, widows... We have widows here. We have people that, that help on occasion, you know, whenever somebody brings something to our mind. We need to more be di- more diligent in uh, taking care of our own. One of the things I think that probably doesn't get out as much as it should is how much this church does help. Right. Help especially widows, especially mm-hmm. elderly. Um, uh, the amount I, I don't know the breakdown of uh, of uh, the percentage of what we give to like foreign missions and home missions, and, but it's 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 pretty impressive and awesome. And and uh, while those details don't get out, obviously something you right. can't tell, you know who you give to. But right. but but uh, I think the church should be blessed because. Right, absolutely. Everybody in this body should be blessed because there is help going out mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, I know of one real recently that uh, a lady needed some flooring done in her house, and she brought the need up, and, and as far as I know, that need has been taken care of. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
you're absolutely right. You know, there are there are true widows, but then there's women experiencing all the symptoms of a widow. Right, absolutely. Who've been abandoned by their husbands, mm-hmm. and in some ways they have worse than the widow because the man's still alive. Right. <laughs> absolutely. It's tough. So it is a job we have to take seriously. But that's because their wounds don't heal. The true widow eventually their wounds will heal. Right. Right. That kind of a widow never heals because presence of the husband, his effects will always affect them. Right. And, and if there's children, it's even worse right. because the children are always wondering, where's dad? Why isn't he coming in? Why is yeah. he loving us? With the true and widow, the kids yeah. can, the widow can say to the children, right. your dad's in heaven. Mm-hmm. God's going to take care of us. Yeah. So if there's not spousal support or child support being paid, they have the same needs as well. Yeah. Right. Amen. If they have kids, Absolutely. definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I believe what James is telling us here is not just for orphans and widows, but to all who are hurting and, and the least of these, including the fatherless. And I'm not talking about ones who are fatherless as in not having a dad. I'm talking about the ones who are fatherless who don't, don't have a relationship with Christ, the true father. I think that's what James is telling us here. Take care of the least of these, not just orphans and widows. You know, if somebody like what Pastor's saying, they may have a husband, but maybe the husband can't do what he needs to do. Maybe he's physically unable to. Then, you know, that person needs to break his pride and ask for help. Because um, a lot of times, you don't ask for it, nobody will know you have a need. about our Father's business. Time to rise up and be counted and to make hard sacrifices so that our children and our children's children will know about Jesus and His love for us and what a great great sacrifice He has made as a man and as God. Now is the time to keep ourselves unstained by the world. We must flee from all unrighteousness, unrighteousness. Even the first hint of Unpure thought must be dealt with at the cross. We must repent and turn from our sin, taking after our Father and serving Him and Him alone. If we fail to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, it really does not matter what else we do. We may be able to quote the Bible from front to back, win debates with unbelievers, and give all we have to the poor. This is a quote, by the way. I didn't come up with this part. Fast three days a week and be burned at the stake, but if we fail to keep ourselves unspotted without wrinkle or defect or live without love, we are not pleasing God in a pure and undefiled religion. So, basically, to sum it up, we got to keep ourselves in check, our tongues in check, 
got to take care of our own, our widows and our children and and the unbelievers and the lost. And then we got to keep ourselves in check with our with our spiritual life, our sinful life. If we have anything that's, that's unrepentant, we need to, to bring that to, to Christ and we need to get those issues resolved because it's all about the heart. And if we have something hidden in our hearts that's not brought to light, then it's going to come out in our speech, it's going to come out in our deeds. But we need to need to repent. Yes, sir, please. Isn't it interesting to for James to talk about pure religion, the real McCoy, the real thing, of all the things that you would think it would be. And he zeroes in on a couple of things mm-hmm. here. Now, I mean, there's got to be volumes you could write about. And it's, it's how you, it's what you say. You're revealing what's in your heart, and Absolutely. and I had a experience recently, recently where I I was checked on more than one occasion about just making a loose comment about someone that I really didn't have any business making. Really, and afterward I thought, why did I say that? You know, and then I said, you know, you're you're a two-faced person. I said I'm having this conversation with myself. You said, you know, and I, I felt bad about it. I said, I misspoke. I shouldn't have said something about somebody. But what we say, and then these two, the widow and the orphan, two extremely vulnerable situations. Mm-hmm. Particularly, well, not particularly, but take, for instance, an <clears throat> orphan that's just, I mean, they, a child has to have somebody to go to bat for them. They just have to. And if there's no one to do that, then it's pretty much a disaster. And the same with the widow. And I remember in the uh, other church I was in, this we had a widow in our church, and she went bought a car, a used car, and it was a piece of junk. And the guy charged her way too much money, and it didn't last a day or two. And so the pastor tried to help her, and he took. Went with her up there and took the car back to see if the guy would take it back, and the guy threatened to beat him up. <laughs> but he he prevailed and helped make a deal. And because she was vulnerable, she was believe it, you know. What you're saying, kind of religion, it's not how. <laughs> how you talk, how we talk, and, and the conversation <coughs> was the most. Just a thought I had. Yeah. Word for and strong says. In which means religion or observant. Mm. You worship. You're just clanging 
we're not backing up our worship with love, not just for God, but for others. Yeah. How can we love God whom we haven't seen? I mean, whom we haven't seen, right. but we can't love our brother who we have seen. And, uh, yeah, there's people that need help, and if we don't lift a hand, we can have the most beautiful voice in the world, but God's not going to enjoy it. It's not a joyful noise to him anyway, so. Wow. Maybe we can't carry a tune in the bucket. But if we're helping people, man, God loves it when we worship Him because so that's worshiping by action. Mm-hmm. Anybody else have any questions for Henry? Let's put him on the spot. <laughs> put him on the spot. I don't have a question, but I mean, I guess to me. You know, like, you know, from a young child, you know, which, um, Alan, you know, well, my dad and I have always been back and forth, you know. I, you know, been there, and then, like, basically everything you said really hit home with me because, you know, I was in youth here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was the one that needed help to go to church camp. And, you know, it's just, you know, what back then, it's just, it was so different, even for our school, because we'd see you at the polls. I mean, Alan, I'm sure you remember when Zane got beat up for not putting his armor of God on, if y'all remember that. <laughs> in high school, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just crazy just, you know, on like how your your word just really hits people because that, when I became a new Christian, became the first thing that I had to focus on was the power of my tongue. And Missy Vett always brought it, you know, very clear to me, you know, whenever she was teaching me that, you know, God spoke the world into existence, you know, and from that point on, it was strong to me and very clear that, you know, if you know, people would say, you know, like my sister, you know, you get a fight with your brother and sister. I hope you die. And I'd be like, take that back, take that back, take that right. back. Because it scared me to the point that I literally thought it could happen. You know, because, our, you know, like you said, it brings life and death. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, thank you for the word. It was, it was good, and I agree with it all. And You know, and on the second note of, you know, worshiping, like you just said, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. Because there was the, one of the TBI church camps we went to, there was a girl there that was had a very, you know, a significant, you know, sickness need. And, you know, one of the pastors said something that stuck to me that was brought up when I was worshiping. And, you know, he said, we're just going to sit here and worship until this thing is gone. You know, and then that makes it so much clearer because mm-hmm. we at that whole part were, you know, a bunch of 13-year-old kids, wholeheartedly pure, just jumping and screaming and just running in circles, wearing cow outfits, <laughs> and just worshiping until the Lord, you know, I mean, I, I believe to this day, you know, he, he healed that. You know, it's just so, so, so crucial that, you know, what we say not only, you know, protects, you know, us in our future, but it also gives us the image that God wants us to have to be God-like people. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was a good word, too, that you just said, um, protects against our future. A lot of things, especially nowadays, anything you can't, you say can and will be used against you later on in life. I mean, it's just like this. This lady that was cooking, I can't remember her name, but she said something 20-something years ago. Oh, yeah. And she lost her job and all of her sponsors and everything else because of it. And she, basically, she had apologized for it. But that word was spoken, and it cost her her life, or her, not her life, life, but her livelihood. So, yeah, that's a good word. Good. see if our callers have anything. Hey, you all can share, now that you're unmuted, anything to add or ask? Hello? 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 H
Well, this is Hal. Hey, I think Henry did stuff so far. I I just I just want to comment on the, on the fact that Henry's done an excellent job so far. I mean, he's really covered this well. Thank you. Right. So you and Toller, Hal? No, sir. I'm in El Paso. Wow, I love it. Mm-hmm. All right, El Paso, Kerrville. Any anything to add or ask, Greg? No, I think uh, Henry. First of all, I wanted to say thank you for for the word, and I'm really proud of you. Um, I think it's interesting that the the scripture that you covered tonight deals with the issue of widows and orphans, and I think that when James was writing this, that um, he had no idea of the number of what I call cultural widows and orphans that we now face. So, yeah. Thank you. Any other any other brothers call in? Hey, this is Jeff. I I would just uh, add to Hal and uh, Greg. That's a great job. I I was thinking about that word deceived, and you know, just I was just kind of moved to think about the difference between being deceived and being hypocritical. And you know, he he really in this verse as Henry brought out, talks about someone that's being deceived. And I think I think that's a worse place to be than being hypocritical. The hypocritical, you actually know you're wrong, but you're trying to hide it. But when you're deceived, you you actually are, are misled into believing you're in a state that you're really not. And I guess a good way to test ourselves to determine whether we're deceived or not based on these scriptures is, you know, what what is our speech? What, what, is, our, what is our tongue actually telling others about about our state, so uh, that spoke to me anyway. <laughs>